Thank you, Lord. Wow, what a wonderful day it is to begin the celebration as a church this Christmas season, Lord. And uh, so as we take these next four weeks and really unpack what Christmas is all about and take the month to celebrate your birth, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would just be glorified in our desire to point people to you and our desire to be forerunners in others, in people's lives, so that they might come to know you, Lord Jesus. So as we open up the scripture and as we do a live nativity, as we do tree lighting, as we do all of these things, parades and all of these things, Lord, let everything that we do in our community, in our church, in our homes, Lord God, let, let everything we do this holiday season and always be all about you, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Has anybody else had lots of obstacles getting here today? Just me? Okay. Nelly too? Good, 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 good. I tell you, I woke up and I was putting the finishing touches on my message. And uh, then I transfer my message to my iPad because it's just easier. Thanks, bro. Literally my brother. <laughs> brother in the Lord. Same blood, same mom, same dad. Um, so anyway, all of these obstacles, things kept happening. And then I'm, I'm getting ready and I, I watch. It's like I, in slow motion, I watch this little cold sore pop out of my lip. So if you ever have a cold sore, a little commercial for Abriva, maybe they'll send me a free tube of Abriva. So there we go. I got to unload my pockets here. Because I got Fisherman's Franks. I got a head cold too. Oh, there's my Abriva. You get a cold Anybody else use Breva? If you get cold sores, you put it on there, it just like makes it disappear, but you got to move fast. Lots of obstacles. So I'm back in my truck out of my driveway and this branch is in my driveway, so I can't back out. So then I'm trying to back up and my, I can't see out my windows because it's been raining and I almost run into things and then I get here and all kinds of stuff's going on, but... Um, but we're having church all the same. All that to say, obstacles happen, right? <laughs> so don't let obstacles in your life hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. And God has called us to be in church today. So thanks for putting forth the effort. And uh, it's really good. Deb, happy birthday. 74. I wouldn't put you a day past 72. Good job, 74. Howard had a birthday. Uh, Howard Hildreth, sitting right, kind of where Ron sits first service, he's turned 88. No, 84, 86. He's not here. It doesn't matter. But he's, he's, getting, he's getting very, very old. And uh, <laughs> I love making jokes like that because it makes people feel just slightly uncomfortable. But they're funny, funny jokes when you make fun of people's age. Hey, a lot of uh, you know that our friend Amanda Lambert, was, who was 94 years old, she passed away this week. And uh, so Amanda, um, this is Amanda's uh, caretaker friend, Jolene, our friend, Jolene. And, uh, and I think it was last Sunday, right? You showed up to get her for church and she was unresponsive and she, was, uh, she had had a massive stroke and uh, she passed away on Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Anyway, so Amanda would normally be sitting right there. Amanda was the owner. Yeah, right here. Yeah. Amanda was the owner of the church property that we had been occupying for the last 18 years and still occupy to this day. And Amanda's been just been a, an amazing friend over the years. And so we're going to do a private 
service for her on Thursday this week, and then in January, we're going to do a public one, so we'll let you know about that. It's going to be January 28th. So anyway, so it's kind of an interesting uh, season, lots of hard stuff like that going on, but the good news is that Amanda... She knows Jesus. I say no because it's in the present tense. She is with Jesus, and uh, she's, she's with Clem, who was her husband for so many years, and so it's really, really good stuff. Hard stuff, but good stuff. We don't grieve, the Bible says, like the world grieves because we have genuine hope, who, who is Christ the Lord. And so, hey, we're gonna be talking about Christ the Lord today, and um, this series is The Wonder of the Greatest Gift. And uh, so we're going to take the month and just talking about different people that God used, worked through to bring about this amazing gift who is Christ the Lord. So today, first and foremost, we're going to be talking about Mary and Joseph. And uh, we're going to be talking about the wonder of Mary and Joseph. I think that I like that word wonder. I think as we get older, we don't wonder so much. Everything's kind of set, right? We're, <laughs> everything's kind of set. We're kind of in a routine, a rut. And I think there's like a childlikeness to wondering, kind of like wondering what God might be up to and kind of having this childlike faith that believes that God is up to something good. And so as we look at Mary and Joseph, they were very, very young when the angel Gabriel appeared to them and told them what the rest of their lives would look like. And so there was wonder and there was amazement attached to that. I was talking to a friend uh, this week, his longtime friend, he's been in church his whole life, and, and we were just talking about kingdom stuff, you know, doctrinal stuff, theological stuff, and, um, and somehow the conversation l- lends itself. To, I said, yeah, it's kind of my job to, you know, to be an ambassador for Christ, right? You know, to, to tell people about Jesus, my job. He's like, yeah, of course it's your job. You're a pastor. <laughs> it's kind of perfect setup because I said, you know what? It's your, it's your job too. And uh, that's the reality is that God, God has tapped each of us to be involved in the kingdom work that we might impact our world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna be looking at Mary and Joseph, but then also going back to the saints of old and up to the current day and kind of evaluating what that looks like in our lives and what it has looked like down throughout history. The wonder of it all, the wonder of Mary and Joseph as the angel of the Lord appeared to them with this amazing, amazing news. Before I get to Luke chapter one, that's where we'll be today, Luke chapter one, verses 26 through 38. I wanted to read um, a story titled, Links in the Chain. Did you know that as believers in Jesus Christ, you're all links in the chain? Let me explain. I'm gonna read this to you, Links in the Chain. This is a great book um, titled, On This Day in Christian History. And it's 365 amazing and inspiring stories about saints, martyrs, and heroes of the faith. So if you haven't gotten a copy of that, it's written by Robert J. Morgan. Get a copy of that because it's really helpful for us to understand what... Um, what has happened throughout the earth? Oh man, I lost my place. All right, this is what I have to do. You guys pretend like I'm saying something really profound right now. Hard to imagine, right? <laughs> hard to, hard to imagine. Wonder what that might sound like. <laughs> oh come on, there's not even like an. In- like a index here that helps me to understand where I'm supposed to be here. Let me do this here. <gasps> Hallelujah. I found it. Links in the chain. 
Edward Kimball was determined to win his Sunday school class to Christ. A teenager named Dwight Moody tended to fall asleep on Sundays. If that's your tendency, he's not talking about you, but he's kind of talking to you. So try to stay awake during church. Turn your cell phones off and try to stay awake, especially if you're sitting on the front row, because I'm going to see it every single time. So a teenager named Dwight Moody, not that Mike would ever fall asleep here, but a teenager named Dwight Moody tended to fall asleep on Sundays, but Kimball undeterred, set out to reach him at work. His heart was pounding as he entered the store where the young man worked. I put my hand on his shoulder, and as I leaned over, I placed my foot upon a shoebox, and I asked him to come to Christ. Just that boldly, right? But Kimball left thinking he had botched the job. You ever think that? Like, oh, man, I missed that opportunity or blew that opportunity. Moody, however, left the store that day a new person and eventually became the most prominent evangelist in America. On June 17, 1873, Moody arrived in Liverpool, England for a series of crusades. The meetings were poorly, uh, went poorly at first, but then the dam burst and blessing began to flow. Moody visited a Baptist uh, chapel pastor. Moody visited a Baptist chapel pastored by a scholarly, named, scholarly man named J.B. Meyer. Excuse me, F.B. Meyer. I got new glasses. They're not actually helping me yet. <laughs> so hang in there with me. I think I need to make this 18 font. Anyway, let me start over there. So Moody visited a Baptist chapel pastored by a scholarly man named F.B. Meyer, who at first disdained the Americans' unlettered preaching, his illiterate preaching. But Meyer was soon transfixed and transformed by Moody's message. At Moody's invitation, Meyer toured America. At Northfield Bible Conference, he challenged the crowd saying, if you are not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? <laughs> if you're not willing now, are you willing to be made willing? That remark changed the life of a struggling young minister named J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman proceeded, proceeded to become a powerful traveling evangelist in the early 1900s. And he recruited a converted baseball player named Billy Sunday. Under Chapman's eye, Sunday became one of the most spectacular evangelists in American history. His campaign in Charlotte, North Carolina, produced a group of converts who continued praying for another such visitation of the Spirit. In 1934, they invited evangelist Mordecai Ham to conduct a citywide crusade. On October 8, Ham, discouraged, wrote a prayer to God on the stationery of his Charlotte hotel. Lord, give us a Pentecost here. Pour out thy spirit tomorrow, he prayed. His prayer was answered beyond his dreams when a central high school student named Billy Graham gave his heart to Jesus. And Edward Kimball thought he had botched the job. Do you see the links in the chain? As believers, we are links in the chain, we have been adopted into the family of God and given, we've been given 
responsibility in the family of God and in the work, the earthly work of God to bring about the, 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 the life-changing gospel that people so desperately need to hear. As we look at Luke chapter one, we're gonna be talking about looking at Mary and Joseph's experience with the angel Gabriel. Luke 1, 26 through 28, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So six months earlier, this same angel appeared to Zechariah, and he told Zechariah that his wife, who had been barren and advanced in years, they were both advanced in years, the angel Gabriel told Zechariah that his wife would give birth and the the son was to be called John, and he became John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the cousin of the Lord Jesus Christ, and John the Baptist was born as the forerunner. His job was in the link, in the chain link, his job was to be the forerunner for the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he was there to prepare the way for the Lord. And so this was John's part, his job. John was to serve as the forerunner to Christ, preparing the way for the Savior to accomplish his redemptive work in the earth. I wonder who I'm a forerunner to, for. I wonder who God is using, whose life God is using me in to be a forerunner so that they might be prepared. Because maybe, maybe I'm just planting seeds. Maybe you're just planting seeds and somebody else will actually pray and take that person into the kingdom, but you're planting seeds. You're speaking truth. You're praying for, you're declaring and standing on the, the truth, the righteous truth of the gospel. And you're planting seeds because of your confidence in who Jesus is. And so people are taking, taking thoughts when maybe they would have never taken thought. They've taken serious the message. They're really considering the message because of the way that you're living and the way that you're communicating the gospel message through the, uh, to them. John would serve as a forerunner to Christ. You know, we can trace the godly saints going back to the Genesis account and see that God has been working through people's lives in the same way. He's working through people's lives, preparing using them to prepare others to receive the gospel message so they might enter into the kingdom. You think about people like Noah. Noah was the only righteous man in the earth, and so God saved Noah and his clan uh, from the, the judgment that God wrought upon the earth. You think about Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Naomi, Ruth, Samuel, David, Solomon, all of these people, the prophets and saints of old, and the saints of today were all playing a part in God's redemptive plan. Isn't that awesome? It's an awesome thought that we are here in the earth with a big kingdom responsibility. Number one, imagine the wonder of Mary and Joseph as they pondered their part in God's redemptive plan. Imagine the wonder as they considered what it 
might be to following God's plan, doing what he had called them to do. Imagine the wonder of the experience, the angel Gabriel appearing. Now in scripture, in the Old and the New Testament, when an angel appeared, the people fell like dead men. The women and men, they fell out because they were so fearful of what God was doing in their midst. Imagine the wonder as they considered considered what God was up to in their lives. I think there's something powerful about holding on to that childlike wonder. It keeps us ready and it keeps us hungry and it keeps us anxious to do the will of our Father. If we just get up in the morning with this intention in our hearts and minds and just with this question, I wonder what God might do with me and through me today. I wonder what God is up to in my circumstances today. I wonder how God might want to work through me today. And as we hold on to that wonder, it's a childlike faith that really believes because it's really true that God indeed wants to work through us today. So if we could hold on to that, I, I think Mary and Joseph were young, and so it was easy for them to hold on to that wonder. But as we get older, it gets harder, right? And so let's be intentional about holding on to that wonder, because it's curiosity, it's faith, it's confidence, it's, it's an understanding of, of God's plan in the earth. It's a declaration that God is up to something and man, I wanna be a part of whatever God is up to. So if we can hold on to that wonder and get up every morning and just expect God to do something, God just might do something and God most likely will do something. The word wonder is defined to be in a state of wonder and to feel surprise. Isn't that kind of nice? To feel Surprise. In that state of wonder, coupled with the feelings of surprise, is what Mary is experiencing in the following verse. Number one, imagine the wonder of Mary and Joseph as they pondered their part in God's redemptive plan. Number two, imagine the anxiety, <laughs> the anxiety of Mary and Joseph as they pondered their part in God's redemptive plan. If we're honest, when we think about God's redemptive plan and our part in God's redemptive plan, there's some anxiety and maybe even some fear around that idea. Like, Lord, why would you want to use me? Who am I? What could I possibly add? There's some anxiety around the idea. Mary experienced that. Luke 1.29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It's a world-renowned evangelist. His name is Rodney Smith. His nickname was Gypsy Smith. He was born March 31st, 1860. Shared the same day, birthday with my daughter. March 31st, not 1860. <laughs> he had been called to the ministry and given an opportunity to be involved in the ministry and trembling terribly preaching his first message, this is what he said. He said, I'm only a gypsy boy. I do not know what you know about many things, but I know Jesus. I know that he saved me. He continues, I, I cannot read as you do. I don't live in a house as you do. I live in a tent but I've got a great house up yonder and someday I'm going to live in it. 
My great desire is to live for Christ, he said. So that message that he proclaimed as a fearful young man, that message that he stepped into so that he might be used by God began a 70-year ministry where he traveled all over preaching to countless people. And that ministry, if we understand anything about this chain, we know that that ministry has impacted the world ever since. Our ministry in this life impacts those who go after us, those who follow us. So I wonder, will people following us be more apt to follow Jesus, to believe Jesus? Will they be more apt to become believers because we're doing our job or will they be less apt because we're not doing our job? We have a responsibility in the earth. Let me just remind you of something, that everybody is afraid when following God's plan for their life. Everybody's afraid to step into the supernatural plans that God has for them. It's just the natural response to what God calls us into. Gypsy Smith was afraid. Mary was afraid. I remember preaching my first handful of messages. I was afraid. To this day, I'm I'm sometimes afraid to get up here. (laughs) And it's been a long time. But I remember my first wedding, my cousin Debbie and Sean, they're watching uh, first or second service anyway. So, hey, Sean, hey, Deb. 30 plus years ago, they got married in Long Beach and I was scared to death. I'd never done a wedding service before and I was sick to my stomach with nerves trying to think through how am I gonna just get through this, you know? And uh, it was a terrifying experience. Before that, my grandfather passed away and I was about 17 years old, 18 years old, right around there. And I was asked to officiate his service. My family knew that I had some kind of calling on my life. So anything like that, where you had to officiate something, I got, you know, to this day, I get, I get the assignment, right? It's like even praying around the dinner table. Apparently God only hears my prayers. <laughs> Nobody else can pray because God only hears Pastor Steve's prayer. So my house, my in-law's house, Pastor Steve, would you pray? Hey, I'm just your kid, right? God can actually hear your prayers as well. So anyway, I digress. The important thing is I'm not bitter about it. So here we go. So I was sick to my stomach afraid as a 17 or 18 year old doing my, my grandfather's memorial service. And I just need, I just, by God's grace, needed to step into it to do what was asked of me. And it just got easier over time. Now, there's still times where I'm scared to death. But it gets easier because we begin to, we begin to understand the process. But if we never step into it in the first place, we never begin to understand the process and we never begin to just grow in our gifts and our calling and do what God has called us to do with greater uh, just in a more natural way. Mary was afraid. We've all been afraid. This is what the angel told Mary in Luke chapter one, verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I love that God's got a plan, even though we're not necessarily privy to his plan. But when we step into his plan, we can have confidence that he has got a plan. And if we just keep our eyes on him and take one step, put one step in front of the other, he will unfold that plan. He's not making it up as he goes. He had a plan for Mary and he had a plan for Joseph. And it was a plan with eternal impact and consequence. And so there was something very important that God wanted to do through this young couple. And there's something very important that God wants to do through you and through me, but we've got to be willing to overcome that fear, keeping our, keeping our eyes on Jesus and allowing him to unfold his plan in our lives. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Maybe you ask the same question. You kind of get a glimpse of what God wants to do in your life, and you say, well, how can this be? Because I am not prepared, not articulate, not brave, not bold, not capable, you fill in the blank. A thousand knots can follow your statement. A thousand reasons for not doing what God has called you to do. Mary had a great excuse, I'm a virgin. <laughs> What's, how is this gonna happen, right? And maybe you're thinking your excuse is legit as well because of your life experience or because of your frailties or failures or whatever it may be in our own hearts and minds, all of our excuses seem legitimate, but God, except God. But God is introduced, God is the author, he's calling us because he is good, not because we are good. And as we surrender to him and begin to follow him, we begin to see God working supernaturally in ways that we can't describe except for God is at work. It's a wonderful and supernatural opportunity that if we'll just step into, will be just amazing for our faith. How can this be? How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit. Did you know that's your answer as well? <laughs> it is your answer as well. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So this is the answer to your fear, to your unwillingness, to your doubt, to your anxiety about what God is calling you to. You asked, how, Lord? I know myself way too well. How will you work through me? Well, the answer that the angel gave to Mary is the same answer that he gives to you, the Holy Spirit will fill you and you will be in the shadow, you will be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And that's where you wanna do ministry. That's how you want to live your life. You wanna be filled with the Spirit and overshadowed, like hidden in the Spirit of God, because as we're filled and overshadowed by the Spirit of God, the, the Spirit of God has the ability to work through us, giving us words and capacity and strength and endurance and ability, all of the things that we need so that we might do the things that God has called us to do. Verse 36, the angel said, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. So Mary's relative is an old woman who's 
barren and God is going to work supernaturally in her life to bring about a child. Why? How? Verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. We gotta get that in our heads and our hearts. No word from God will ever fail. So God's calling you because you've been adopted into his family, because you've trusted him to save you and to, and to fill you and to sanctify you and to use you. And so in this life, in this life, you can trust that God's word will never, ever fail. So as we open up the scripture, we know that God's word will never, ever fail. As we sense the Lord's leading in our lives, we can be sure that his word will never, ever fail. And we can trust as we move forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that God used Zechariah's plan. Uh, God, God used his plan for Zechariah and Elizabeth to kind of pave the way, to prepare Mary's heart for what was going to come. He used others' experiences to give them confidence in what God might do. And so we can look at the scripture and have confidence because what he's asking to do in our lives and in our lives and with our lives, he's already done with countless others throughout history. Going back thousands of years up to the current day, people are being used by God and we're seeing God use people, ordinary, everyday people like all of us. We're all just everyday, ordinary people, but God in his mercy says, hey, look at I've, I've done it in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life, and I'm going to do it in your life as well. So you can look at other people's lives and say, man, God's really working in that person's life. I know that person. They're just normal, but God's working in their lives. So maybe, just maybe, because God's working in their life, maybe, just maybe, God will work in my life. And we get, we get built up in our most holy faith, and we have confidence that God can do what God wants to do. So number three, imagine, imagine the faith of Mary and Joseph as they pondered their part in God's redemptive plan. Imagine the faith that was required. This is what Mary said. I am the Lord's servant. <laughs> That's the best answer anytime God asks us to do anything. Anytime there's a, a challenge from the Lord or from the word, the answer should be, I am the Lord's servant, May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel of the Lord left her. Isn't that great? Mary's faith is supernatural. Everything that is required of us to do what he has called us to do requires the exercise of a supernatural faith. We're trusting that the Holy Spirit will fill us and that we will be overshadowed by the presence of God, the power of God to do what he's asked us to do. This is how you want to do it. If you try to do what God has asked you to do in your own strength, you will fizzle out. You will be like a flash in the pan. You will not endure until the end. You will lose heart, lose strength, and quit. But if you are filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis and hiding in the sh under the, the shadow of the Holy Spirit and just allowing his life to be lived through you, then you will endure. Mary's faith is supernatural. This supernatural faith is what is required for us to do what God has called us to do, the long term, till death do us part, till we stand before the Lord and hear, well done, good and faithful servants. Mary's faith is supernatural. I'd like to read out of Luke chapter one, uh, verses 45 through 55. It's not on the screen, but just to help us get an understanding, a snapshot 
of Mary's heart and Mary's understanding through this circumstance. Verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary believed that what was spoken to her from the Lord would actually take place. It would actually be fulfilled. It would actually happen. We have to have the same supernatural faith, believing that God will do what he says he will do. We need to hold on to that faith, especially when it seems in the natural that that is not going to be the reality. And sometimes in the natural, it doesn't feel like that's going to be the reality. But let me just encourage you, don't quit. Don't give up. Just keep moving forward. Keep trusting God and watch what he will do. I love this song, Mary's song of praise in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. So what is Mary doing in light of this crazy news? Like you're a virgin, but you will conceive and have a baby. Like first thing we do when we hear crazy stuff in our lives or crazy direction or whatever, we're like, no, nah, I, I don't have what it takes. Like we turn our attention to all of our frail, uh, faults, uh, all of our shortcomings, like I can't do that because, well, I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I don't have the education, I don't have, I don't have the, 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 the ability to, uh, I, I just can't, and fill in the blank. In order to exercise the supernatural faith that we must exercise to do what God has called us to do, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. As soon as we get our eyes off of Jesus, we fall prey to all of the excuses and reasons for not doing what God has called us to do. Somehow Mary understood that and she kept her eyes on Jesus. My soul magnifies the Lord. Oh. So now all of a sudden God's getting really big in her heart, in her mind. She's understanding the bigness and the beauty and the majesty of God. And because she's keeping her eyes on the, the bigness and majesty of God, She's able to do what God has called her to do. There's a thousand things in life that will hinder you, try to derail you from doing what God has called you to do. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on a humble estate, uh, on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Whoa. Some of us need to get a better understanding of what it means to be an obedient follower of Jesus Christ because all, all that we see is we see our incapacity, our inability. We are incapable. But what Mary saw is that, hey, God wants to do something pr profound in me. And because of what God wants to do in me, like everybody will know who I am. <laughs> now that's not our motivation, but she knew there was something of kingdom uh, impact that her decision and her life to trust God and to do what he called her to do, uh, there, there's a, an eternal impact in the kingdom. And to this day and forever and ever, amen, people are talking about Mary because she was obedient to what God had called her to do for he has looked on the humble state of his servant. That's true for all of us, by the way. When he uses you, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. When he uses me, he has looked upon this humble estate of his servant. That's all, that's all we got. 
Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, Lord. I can't do it in my own strength, Lord. I don't want to do it in my own strength, Lord. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And so we're seeing the power of God and the ability of God. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estates. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth, for three months and then returned home. Mary's faith is supernatural. Mary's faith is supernatural because she kept her eyes on God's plan. Our faith will never be supernatural if we've got our eyes anywhere else. If we've got our eyes on the problem, the storm, the, in our inability. If we don't keep our eyes on God, how do we keep our eyes on God? We have to just open up the word every single day. You just have to. You will never keep your eyes on God if you don't open up your Bible every day and just engage the word and allow the spirit of God to shape through the word of God, your understanding, because there's, as I say it all the time, there's a thousand things vying for your attention, social media, the news, all kinds of stuff, entertainment, all these things that are vying for your attention. And those things are shaping you if you're not careful. Those things are informing your understanding about life. I was talking to a guy recently and I, we were talking about, you know, just Christianity and life. And he's like, you know, I tend to trust the science. I trust psychologists and the science. And I said, well, as a believer, you've got to decide what your authority in life is. I said, it can be the science, which is always changing, or it can be the timeless word of God that is immutable. It changes not. I said, so you have to decide as a believer, and this is true for all of us, and really not just once and for done, but once over and over again, like every time we're up against something difficult, we have to decide who is the authority in my life? What is the authority in my life? Is it the circumstances? Is it the science? Is it the experts? Or is it God? He's the greatest expert. Is it God's word that is immutable and changes not? What is the authority in my life? So I challenge this guy who'd been in church his whole life. I'm like, when was the last time he just opened up the Bible? And just read the Bible. He said, well, I read a devotional yesterday. I said, devotion, they're fine. But you need to just read the Bible. You need to let the Bible inform your understanding and shape your mind and shape your perspective about things. If you're not letting the Bible do that, you are letting the world do that. There's no other way. You're either letting the world shape your understanding, shape your direction, shape your future, or you're letting God do it through his word and through his spirit. We will never have the supernatural faith that people like Mary had if we're not keeping our eyes on God. We gotta keep our eyes on God. So make your life about the word. Make it about God and pray without ceasing and continue to keep your eyes on him. That's the only way you're gonna make it, especially as, as things get worse in the earth. Mary's faith was supernatural. Do you have faith for your part in God's redemptive plan?
If you don't, just get your eyes on the right stuff and watch that faith develop and expand and grow and that confidence develop and expand and grow and the obedience expand and develop and grow. You'll be able to do what God has asked you to do, but you've got to develop that supernatural faith that can only be developed as we keep our eyes on God. And so Mary and Joseph, they kept their eyes on God. Imagine, number one, the wonder of Mary and Joseph as they pondered their part in God's redemptive plan. (laughs) Imagine not just the wonder, but the anxiety. This is all very human stuff, right? So there's the wonder, but then there's the anxiety but then we have to step into that supernatural faith and decide, yes, if God's calling me to it, he will give me the grace to do it. If God's in it, he's got a plan. If God's with me, he will give me exactly what I need. And I don't want to miss the opportunity. I don't want to miss what God wants to do in my life. The wonder of the greatest gift. That was part one. Next few weeks, we're going to be doing part two, three, and four. And then um, wrapping up on Christmas day, I will preach a message to uh, videotape a message that will be available for everybody to watch at home as we gather with family on Christmas Day. And it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. So we're going to take communion. And um, if you need elements, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll get elements to you. I need elements, actually. So whoever can get me elements would be really helpful. And then if you need elements, go ahead and raise your hand. Keep your hand up and then somebody will do that. Thank you so much, Nation. As elements are getting passed out, don't forget the parade is happening tonight. The live nativity is happening tonight. The tree lighting is happening tonight. Everything kicks off around five o'clock. Um, my friend and I, Jason Whaler, are going to be helping to announce the parade, um, so it's going to be fun. So you'll, you'll, you'll hear our voices over the loudspeaker. It's going to be really, really good. Does everybody have elements? Everybody good? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So before we take the elements, I just want to challenge us with some truth that we see written toward the end of this chapter. That we need to be very careful when taking communion. It's not just an empty ritual, but it reminds us. It's a celebration. It points us back to the time when Jesus died for our sins hanging on a cross. And so please heed the scripture and do not take communion unless your heart is clear with the Lord. Two points to that. Number one, if you're here today and you've got unconfessed sin, you feel distant from the Lord, please do not miss this opportunity to just come clean before the Lord and do some business with the Lord. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So if you're here today and you're not ready to confess your sins, do not take communion. Please, Paul's words, not mine. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never given your life to Jesus, don't take communion if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you wanna become a believer, this is how you become a believer. 
you simply acknowledge to the Lord who is present with us now. You say, Lord, I, I believe. Lord, I, I believe and I, I need you to come into my life. I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive me. I need your forgiveness and your grace and your love. Would you come into my life? And I need, I need your leadership, Lord. Would you lead me from this day forward? Like for the rest of my life, Lord, I'm going to follow you. For the rest of my life, I'm going to declare in my life that you are my Lord and my leader. For the rest of my life, I will follow you, Lord Jesus. And as you make a prayer like that, God hears you. <laughs> it's the beauty of the gospel. God hears and he longs to adopt us, to forgive us and to make us his own and to call us, call us his son and his daughter. So having said all of that, I'm gonna read the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, these verses that we wanna cover. And then we're gonna stand and we're gonna worship. And as we're ready individually, I'm gonna encourage you to take the wafer and the wine or the juice, and then we will worship and take communion as we are ready. In the same way, he also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So Lord, as we sing and as we prepare our hearts for worship, we pray that you would, when the time's right, that you would bless our partaking of the elements, Lord God. God, that it would be a glorious time of worship, a glorious celebration. God, that you'd be honored in the way that we take communion today and in the way that we worship and the way that we wrap up this service. Thank you for your grace. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can stand or you can sit. And when you're ready, take your elements.